0: Amen. 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 Praise God. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good Good to see you. Great singing. Great singing. Brandon, I suppose you had something to do with that. Natalie, you too. So let's uh, let's give a shout of praise to Jesus for them leading us in song. That was awesome. So if you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and open it up to Revelation 21. And we're going to be reading... The first eight verses of Revelation 21, and we'll be reading the first five verses of Revelation 22. And my name is Josh, and I'm the preaching lead pastor here. So if I don't know you, uh, welcome to our church. We're very excited that you've chosen to join us this morning for worship. And as you're turning there, I want to share a number with you. And that number is 508. 508. Okay. This is an awesome number. I love the number 508. I love this number. This represents the number of Thanksgiving meals that were prepared here and distributed in our community yesterday. (laughs) Praise God. That was an awesome thing. Jesse Knighton and Michaela Hemmingson, they kind of spearheaded it. They were here at 830 for the service. We had 31-plus adult volunteers yesterday here on campus just... I mean, churning out the meals, and this is not some McDonald's, Burger King experience, folks. I mean, we gave out smoked turkey—the kind of turkey that is so good you you feel the smoke in your mouth as you eat it. It is so good. Jesse is so gifted in this area of food prep, and by God's grace, we were also able to send out delivery teams all over the South Side, within our church, and then within the community. And I don't know about you, but there's just something about that kind of joy, that kind of connection with people in real time that just is after the heart of Jesus, you know? And so one of our core values at church is that our lives and our possessions are forgiving. Okay, that's a core value of our church. Our lives are forgiving, our, our possessions are forgiving. So Just the generosity of Harvest Offering Weekends is amazing to me. It's incredible what God's doing here. It's incredible to watch this renovation thing happen and everything that God is doing. Yesterday was a a portion of that, 508, and we did 224 last year. So you think about that. Yeah, think about that. That's a praise to Jesus, right? Yeah. So I told Jesse, no pressure, but we got to double again next year. Amen. (laughs) So we'll see what God does next year. Uh, It was pretty amazing. We were here. Jesse texted me at 6 a.m. I'm like, too early, bro. Too early. But we opened up the doors at 7. I think we ended up leaving here about 3.30 in the afternoon. And uh, what a cool thing to be spent for Jesus in that kind of way. It's just incredible. So God is good. The scriptures are also good. Better than the 508 is the Revelation 2.1. Amen? All right. So we're going to read the scripture starting in verse 1. And then we'll skip over to verse, uh, chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. Revelation 21.1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And he will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And then he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, which is the second death. Let's skip down to verse 22, chapter 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, on either side of the river, The tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. And they will see his face. His name will also be on their foreheads, and night will be no more, and they will have no need of night, light, or lamp, or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Praise God for the reading and hearing of his word. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege and the honor of gathering as a church family. We do this not wanting to waste a moment of this time. This is a divine gift from you. You have kept our hearts beating. You have sustained us this week. You have lifted us up. You have brought us here. And this is the gift of God to worship you in the scriptures with your people. So God, help us not to spin off into wasting this hour, but oh God, may this be a redemptive time where we are built up with the hope of heaven. Lord, we're carrying heavy burdens. We're, we're hurting. So many people just need grace this morning. They need love. They need the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. They need encouragement for their soul. And Lord, there's nothing like heaven to bring us up out of maybe where we're struggling. So God, would you please help us catch a vision of you that is as big as you are? And oh God, may you bless every person here. Bless the believer, encourage them, and Lord, minister to the person who does not yet know you. And God will give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're continuing our sermon series, The Return of Christ in the Life to Come. Only two weeks left, this week and next week. And then we're on to Christmas things, all right? On to Christmas carols. And in fact, we might slip in some Christmas music next Sunday. Amen. Because it's only after Thanksgiving that you should do such things. Amen and amen. The pastor has spoken. (laughs) Not that his opinion means much, honestly. Uh, So by way of reminder, all right, we are tackling this this end of book, end of Revelation, Revelation. And the title of this this morning's sermon is The New Heaven and the New Earth. Very unoriginal title, right? It's very, very right with what Scripture says. And remember, the Apostle John has been landing two words into our brains as we go through Revelation, and those two words are Jesus wins. Okay, Jesus always wins. You want to be on the winning side? Yes, everybody here wants to be on the winning team, the winning squad. Just get close to Jesus and watch him work, okay? Okay. That's what you need to do. Yesterday, Jesse and I were finishing up this event. 500 plus people fed. It was amazing. and We just sat there at the end in the parking lot, giving each other hugs and saying, uh, all we did was literally serve Jesus and he did his thing. And we tried to get out of the way, right? We just tried to get out of the way. Let Jesus do his thing. And so God is really good. And I think that's the summary of Revelation is Jesus wins. And this morning... John is going to tell us about Jesus, and Jesus, as he brings the new heaven and the new earth in, it is the displayed reality of his victory. The new heaven and the new earth is Jesus displaying his victory that he indeed does win. Heaven. It feels good to say the word, doesn't it? Heaven. Heaven is the best thought of every Christian. You want to know the best thoughts you've ever had? They've been about heaven. And, and, and no doubt, right, many Christians over the years have said, heaven is like going home, you know? If you talk to older believers who've been around for a while, they'll say something like this to you, I'm just ready to go home. Praise God. I've been in some hospital rooms where believers have been like, Pastor, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go Home. Home. Heaven is home for the Christian. We are but pilgrims on this earth. Can I get a witness? This, home, this, ho- this earth is not our home. We're passing through. Our home is in heaven. It's a lot like Thanksgiving for many of you this Thursday, right? For many of you, you get to go home. And home is beautiful. Home is security. Home is relationships. Home is seeing people that you love and hugging them and seeing their faces. For some of you... I just want to encourage you. I want to address the elephant in the room regarding holidays. For some of you, holidays are painful. Okay? Like, it's not a home thing. Because for Thanksgiving and Christmas, you got to go home, but home's not home like it used to be home, you know? People have passed away. There's been things that have happened. And, and home is like, well, I don't really get that. I'm heartbroken, it's sad, it's sorrowful for me to consider holidays. If you're a Christian and you're looking at Thanksgiving and Christmas and you're saying, I'm not sure, I'm excited about these seasons, I would just tell you, take that pain, that emptiness that you feel and channel it towards Jesus. Because in Jesus, you have a home. Heaven is home for you. And may even the, the disparity and the discouragement and the, and the difficulty of this life, may it point you to heaven as your final home to say, I only have to endure this many more thanksgivings and then I'm going home for that marriage supper of the lamb and I can't wait for that. For 2,000 plus years, Christians have been a heaven-obsessed people, All right, Heaven-obsessed people. Christians, historically, for 2,000 years have said, we're excited for heaven, we're talking about heaven, we're looking forward to heaven. And we have written songs about it for 2,000 years, and some hymns that have been written about heaven are songs that you'll you'll know, right? So we're going to do a little hymn sing here. When we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be, you know? When we all see Jesus... We'll sing and shout the victory. I mean, come on. That's a great hymn. I think one of the problems with our current Christian culture is that we don't know all these hymns, right? And we need to grab an old hymn book and just start singing them through. And if you don't know how to sing, if you don't know how to read the music, you got YouTube, y'all. Amen? We got YouTube. Let's just pull that up. That'll teach you how to sing. But what about... We're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Right? I grew up Baptist. I grew up singing these things every week. What about, what about, I'll fly away, oh glory. I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Dude, you see the... We just love singing about heaven. Heaven is one of the greatest thoughts we can think about. It's one of the greatest time spenders we can do as as believers is to think about heaven. It's so good. Heaven is so good. We can't fully understand it. We will be going through Revelation 21 and 22 and you'll be like, "Man, that's awesome. I don't know that I fully comprehend that." I've been a Christian and a pastor. I don't fully understand it either. It's going to be so glorious. It's going to blow our minds. So here's some things that heaven does for us. As we get into this passage, heaven does some things for us. Here's what heaven does. Heaven keeps us encouraged in our discouragement. Amen? Heaven keeps us encouraged. Because there's there so many discouraging things in this world. There's so much discouragement in a sin-cursed place. Heaven, thinking about heaven, just encourages us on our day of discouragement. Secondly, heaven keeps us hopeful in our darkness. If you're going through melancholy, darkness, depression, you're going through seasonal depression, and you're like, what in the world do I need to do on a spiritual level to find some hope? Think about heaven, read about heaven, study heaven, sing about heaven, because heaven keeps us hopeful about the future when we're in our darkness. Heaven keeps us persevering when we want to quit, it keeps us going my home is coming. I got to keep going. I got to keep moving because heaven's coming my way. And no doubt as a Christian, you've wanted to quit. I mean, let's just be honest. There's been certain things that have come into your life. You said, I want to quit. I want to be done. I want to retire. I want to just get away from this Jesus thing because Jesus believing in him is really good. And it's also really hard. Amen. So heaven keeps us persevering, keeps us going, keeps us moving. Heaven keeps us full of wonder when life looks dreary. Like, you know, life is dreary, rhythmic, gets tiring, blah, blah, blah. Same thing on Wednesday, same thing on Thursday, same thing on Friday. Heaven comes in and just fills you with wonder. Childlike wonder of the scenes of heaven. You look at those scenes and you say, I, I can't even... That's amazing. I'm like a kid again. I'm thinking about all these amazing things that are in my future. And then heaven stirs up emotion when we feel calloused. No doubt if you've lived your Christian life for any period of time, you have grown calloused in your heart, a little hardened by sin and heartache and relationships and things that have not turned out well for you. And you're just like, oh, I feel so hard. You come to church and you're like, I don't feel anything anymore. Come on, pastor. You can talk to me all day long. I don't feel nothing right? And then I talk to believer A and B and I don't feel nothing anymore because I'm so hardened in my heart. Heaven stirs up emotion because you can't look at some of these scenes and just not feel anything. You got to look at these scenes and say, if I'm a Christian, oh, oh, I'm feeling the stirring up thing going on because you'll be stirred up in glory. Let me tell you that there will be no curmudgeon church members in heaven. There will only be enthusiastic worshipers in heaven. Psalm 1611. This is a psalm I'm memorizing right now. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In the presence of heaven, there is only fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. So, Christians, we are to observe heaven. We are to enjoy the doctrine of heaven And I would argue that the the most heavenly-minded people in the history of the church have done the most earthly good. Don't believe the lie that if you're so heavenly-minded, you'll be no earthly good. That's ridiculous. The more heavenly-minded you can be, the more earthly good you will want to do because you are laying up for yourself treasures in heaven and it is the deal. It is the end game of everything we're doing is heaven. So the glory of the new heaven and the new earth, here's the big idea. The glory of the new heaven and new earth is to be known and enjoyed by believers. I use the word known because you got to have knowledge. I use the word enjoy because your affections should be stirred up by your knowledge. If you got knowledge with no enjoyment, all you got is a a miserable existence as a Christian. Your knowledge should help you enjoy what is coming your way. So let's look at this. What is the new heaven and the new earth? Okay, what is that, and what is it going to be like? Let's tackle those questions this morning. We're going to see five parts of the new heaven and the new earth, as John lays it out in Revelation 21 and 22, five parts of the new heaven and the new earth that believers are going to enjoy for all eternity. Part number one is the new heaven and the new earth will have a capital city. The new heaven and the new earth will have a capital city, verses 1 and 2. So, Revelation 21, 1 and 2. Then I saw a new heaven and new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So John sees this new city, this capital city called New Jerusalem. He's seeing new heaven, new earth, which is intense. And then he sees this new city coming down from heaven to the new earth. And it is called New Jerusalem. Now this, this new city has dimensions. Okay? It has dimensions. You can read about this in verse 10 through 22 of Revelation 21. It's 1,380 miles by 1,380 miles. So it is a giant cube. That's what John sees. He sees this huge cube of a city coming down from heaven, landing on the new earth, 1,380 miles wide, 1,380 miles tall, and all God's people said, that's huge, okay? Huge. I want to give you a picture of what this might look like, okay? This is a a little piece of art. (laughs) This thing is big. Okay? A few observations about the new heaven and the new earth as it comes down. It's landed right on top of the United States. (laughs) Problem number one of the illustration. So picture a new earth, all right, with some sort of Pangea. And this is, it's coming down. And you can see that this, this area that it covers is over half of the United States of America. That's just how wide it is. I mean, look how tall the thing is. It's so big. And if I can dig on Jehovah's Witnesses for a moment, which I love to do. (laughs) I do believe that a a city, a city that big could fit more than 144,000. Can I get a witness? (laughs) Come on. That thing can fit some people if I'm guessing right. And this is the new heavens and this is the new capital city. Here's how I want to encourage you and apply this. This city is real and tangible. This is a good thing. This is not ethereal. This is tangible. Our God is a God of construction. Can I get a witness in this church? Come on, all you construction guys. We've got so many construction guys in this church. God is a builder and a very good one at that. And he will build this city, not on rock and roll, But this place is going to be real. And here's what I want to make the point. This is not some ethereal heaven. This is not some I'm floating on some cloud, doody doo, playing my harp, doody doo. Right? This is real. You will be in a tangible, real, new earth in a real city with dimensions and walls and amazing architecture. And that is a real encouragement to those of you who have thought, I'm not real inspired by the clouds and the heart idea. We are going to experience what we're experiencing now except in fullness and an incredible upgrade. So this city is real. It'll be majestic. You will love this city because we love cities already. We love the hustle and bustle of cities. We love the arts development in cities. We love all the options in cities. This will be the greatest city you've ever been in. And you should look forward to this as a Christian. Part number two is the new heaven and the new earth will unify God and man. The new heaven and the new earth will unify God and man. Verse three, I heard a loud voice. And the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. The glory of the new heaven and the new earth is that God is going to dwell fully with man. This should blow your minds. God is fully in Trinitarian glory, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is going to be dwelling not over man. He's going to be dwelling with man. Side by side with you and me, if we are Christians, this is amazing because believers who know Jesus will be in this new heaven and new earth, existing in the middle of the power and the love and the glory of God. This is a big deal, because all we've ever known as sinners is a picture of God from the outside looking in. Does that make sense? All we've ever known as broken sinners is looking at God and His holiness, a lot like, a lot like Job did in Job 4:25, where he, he didn't know all that God was doing in the background. God revealed himself. and in Job 4:25, he said, "I have heard about you with my ears." But now my eyes see you, and I repent in dust and ashes. There was this massive separation between Job and God. Job did not get to see all the reasons why he was going through trials and tribulations. He didn't get to see it until the very end. And then when he saw it, he's like, I repent in dust and ashes, God. You're... I, I had no idea what you're doing. But wow. In Exodus thirty-three twenty, 20, God told Moses, you shall not see my face. For no man could see my face and live. There's a separation between God and man. So the beauty of what Jesus did in John 14 is he said, I've shown you the Father. I've shown you God. So if you know me, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And in the midst of that reality, the new heaven and the new earth is going to be what we experience now in tidbits, tidbits of Jesus we're going to experience that in fullness. We're going to know everything that's ever been done about anything, any decision, any circumstance. We will know Father, Son and Holy Spirit exactly what they're thinking, exactly what they're doing, and we will be able to enjoy that camaraderie with God. That blow your mind. Should. So many times as a pastor I have walked into rooms of tragedy. And people have said, Pastor, why would God, why would God allow this to happen in this situation? I want to know. Sometimes people are angry. I want to know. They want to put God on the witness stand, you know. We don't know. In this life, we don't know why everything happens. But what we will know in the new heaven and the new earth is we will know everything. In fullness, we will know why things happened in our lives the way they did. We'll know every ounce of what God was doing, what he was thinking, his operations. We will know all these things, and we will not only know them, we will enjoy them, which is amazing. The new heaven and the earth, new earth will also deliver healing. That's the third part of the new heaven and new earth. It will deliver healing, verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, crying, or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Jesus is going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is a healing action by Jesus. And this is needed. This is really good, especially considering... All the eyes of every Christian have seen the great white throne judgment and have had indelible images in their brains, no doubt sorrowful over what they just saw about the judgment of God and hellfire and the lake of fire. And Jesus will come and he'll wipe away all the tears. That's cool. We'll get to that more later. Death shall be no more in verse 4. Death will be abolished in the new heavens and the new earth. There will be... No more death. Can I get a witness? And amen? I mean, this is our greatest enemy, right? Death is our greatest enemy. This is the River Jordan that we all have to cross at some point. Every single one of us will cross that River Jordan at the end of our lives into eternity. It's the hardest reality of life right now. And in the new heaven and the new earth, there will be no more death. Just imagine a world where there is no death. Imagine a world where there is no separation, no sting of losing someone close. Imagine that. Here's just a reality, and we'll beeline it to Jesus. Thursday, Andy and I had the privilege of sitting with a man that we love. He comes to our church. He's riddled with cancer, riddled. He's got tumors all over his body, right up in his liver. It's not good. Some doctors have said, you got a matter of days. Some doctors have said, you, you might have a matter of weeks. We sat with him on Thursday and we just shared Jesus with him, right? We just, we just talked about, hey, this is, this, the window is closing. I believe in Jesus. And we walked through this, this gospel conversation and we prayed together. It's beautiful. It's amazing, right? But we don't know how long he has. It's not long. One hour later, one hour later, I'm at Planet Fitness and on the television on NBC, right? It said, here's the headline, these are the superfoods you need to eat in order to live longer. And you can imagine how appalled I was or just perspective, I guess, that I had in that moment. I was just like, superfoods. Just talking to a guy who he could eat superfoods all day long. He's going to die. And yet, there's this hunger and thirst in our culture to live longer. Live longer, be healthy, do all this stuff. Here's the reality of Jesus we're all going to die. Amen? We're all going to die. I don't care how many superfoods you eat. I don't care how much you work out. I don't care what you do to try to lengthen your life out. We're all going to the grave. It's our enemy. It's our enemy. Aging stinks. Can I get an amen? Stinks. That's right. But here's the thing about Jesus death is abolished in the new heavens and new earth. In that, Jesus will look at us and say, guys, don't worry about it. I defeated death in the grave. I went through death on the cross in order to defeat it once and for all. The final enemy, which is death, is a defeated enemy thanks to Jesus Christ. And the glory of the new heaven and the new earth is Jesus displaying his victory over death. And we will be like, amen. He's defeated it not for just a few years. He's defeated it forever. So your superfood that you need this morning is Jesus Christ. Neither will there be any mourning or crying or pain anymore. Mourning, crying, pain. These are guaranteed experiences in our world, right? Mourning is the weight that we feel when we lose someone or when we're going through something hard. We mourn over the loss of something or someone. Crying is, my goodness, we cry a lot now, right? We cry tears in this life. And you, we have a lot of people crying in our church. Every day, every week, there's people crying in our church. Crying over what? Crying over lots of stuff. Cancer, miscarriage, addiction, that you can't shake, pride, sin, divorce, broken families. I mean, you pick your category. Someone's crying. Someone's in pain. Can you imagine a world where Pain doesn't exist? My goodness. So much pain, so much cancer, so much health problems, so many visits to the hospital, so many visits to the clinics, so many visits to health specialists. We have pain all the time. So it's hard for us to imagine a world where there's no sin, no drama, no prayer requests list of this, this mile of along for health issues. Like, Mourning, crying, and pain. Jesus, again, is going to declare his victory over these things to say, I mourned in the Garden of Gethsemane. I mourned. I bled out of my sweat pores because I was mourning over the weight of sin. I cried. No doubt he cried in Gethsemane and to the cross. And he had pain. No one can match Jesus' pain physically. Not one person can. And in the midst of that, Jesus says, this is the beauty of the new heaven and the new earth I'm bringing. I am going to bring a full and final healing to the souls of men and women. Church, it's coming. Your healing is coming. We can't guarantee it in this life, but we can, we can guarantee it in the life to come. Part number four of the new heavens and new earth is that it brings satisfaction. Not only does it bring healing, but it brings satisfaction. Verses five and six. Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write these things down. These things are trustworthy and true. It is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. Jesus says some really cool things here. He says, number one, I'm making all things new, which means he's rewriting the universe as we know it. He's rewriting the galaxies. He's rewriting creation. He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth that when we get there as Christians, we will look around at it and this life for us will be a faint memory or a shadow. It's going to be similar. We're going to be like, man, I've seen this before. Deja vu feel this. I, this. This earth seems familiar to me, but I can't quite put a finger on it because it's, it's new. It's brand new. It's so different. And yet you'll remember this life as, a, as like a shadow. There was, there was a me before, but all I know is Jesus has made all of it new. And then he says, it's done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. So he, he says it is done, which, re, which reminds us of the it is finished cry on the cross. Right? It is done. It's over. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I have authority to make all of it new. It's awesome. But then he guarantees satisfaction for the thirsty Christian. He says, to the thirsty, I'll give the spring of the water of life without payment. Jesus guarantees that the souls of believers in the new heaven and the new earth will be fully satisfied, fully satisfied in every way, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually fully satisfied which reminds us of his sermon on the mount. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be what? Satisfied. There it is. Believers in Jesus, we are thirsty for Jesus, right? Thirsty for justice. Thirsty for righteousness. And the promise of heaven is Isaiah 55.1. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you without money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Jesus is going to set up a new heaven and new earth where nothing costs money. Many politicians are trying to implement what Jesus is going to bring. Amen? Only Jesus can make it free and mean it. Here's the reality. When you get to heaven, your soul's going to be fully satisfied. Can you imagine a world where you're like that? Because many of us are, right? We're living out that song. I can't get no. Bom, bom, bom. No, no, no. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Maybe we can make that a big deal on YouTube or something. I don't know. Who knows? Listen. That's most of our lives is that song. We're trying to find satisfaction in all the things. And we're like, I can't get none of it. I can't find it fully. And finally, we tell ourselves like, maybe that next vacation. Maybe that'll be it when I'm happy. (sighs) Maybe it's that next job. Maybe it's a little more money in my bank account. Maybe it's a little bit more weight loss. Maybe if I just lose a little bit more weight. Maybe it's a new hobby I can get. If I get the new hobby, that'll be it. The next car, the next material thing. And here's the reality. Only Jesus will satisfy us. Amen? In this life, that's it. There's nothing else. And we can get tastes of that now with Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yes, satisfy me. But in the new heavens and the new earth, it'll be 100% all the time. Praise God. And finally, the new heaven and the new earth has Jesus. It has Jesus. Verse 4 of chapter 22, they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. The new heavens and new earth are cool because there's no light, there's no sun. The glory of God is the sun. How awesome is that? It's insane. There will be a, a rewritten solar system and universe, but here's the coolest Phrase of that verse, they will see his face. If you're a Christian, you will see his face, the face of King Jesus. Now, we love seeing faces, don't we? We love it. Thanksgiving, a lot of grandmas are going to be excited to see some baby faces. (laughs) Y'all are ready. All you grandmas in here are like, I'm ready to attack the next cheek that I see. I can't get enough of those cheeks. Give me that face, right? That, I mean, that is like, grandma, that's your job. That's job number one. And the kid's just like, rrr, rrr, rrr. <laughs> make it stop, dad, make it stop. I can't, I can't. Her powers are too strong. <laughs> but you know, COVID, the, the bummer of COVID was that we couldn't see each other's faces. Yeah. You only do so many Zoom meetings, you know? And, and even the masks like, you can't see everybody's expressions. So, like, it's like a thing. Like, oh, I want to see the face. We love seeing faces. There will be no greater face for us to see than Jesus. Man. Eighteen years ago, one of my friends, I was a newer Christian. One of my friends came up to me and said, hey, what do you want most from Jesus? Well, I don't know. You know, I'm a new, I'm a new Christian. I was like, um, I, don't, I don't know. So, I just spit it out. I was like, I... I want to see Jesus' face. It was one of those moments in my new Christian life that I was like, I paused and I kind of caught myself and I'm like, Josh, you said something good, I think. You know, (laughs) I think I said something good there. And then I said, yeah. Yeah, that's what I want to see. I want to see Jesus' face. That's what I want to see the most. 18 years later, by the grace of God, that is still what I want to see the most. I can't wait to see Jesus' face. I can't wait to look on it. I can't wait to see him. So it's kind of like the Mercy Me song. I can only imagine. I don't know. Like, what are we going to do? Are we get down on the floor and hug? Are we doing the hug thing? What are we doing? I don't know. It's going to be amazing. But what will Jesus do to me? And you, if you're a believer in Christ, what what is his response going to be to you? Have you ever thought through that? What's he going to say to me as I look at his face? Well, Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore having peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by faith we experience this. Here's what I would say based off of scripture. I would say what Jesus is going to do when he looks at you and you know him. Unbounded love. Love without limits. And I think also acceptance. Unbounded acceptance. You will fall apart as will I. When we are loved and accepted with unbounded limits by Jesus. Where he looks at us and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Let me me tell you how unlike our experience this this moment will be. Our experience is like every great marriage ever, right? Honey, I love you so much. But, dot, 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 dot. I have these things against you, right? (laughs) Within marriage... There's always limits to the affection. There's always limits to what we express because we don't often all the time act like Jesus. So therefore, there's always like, honey, you know, I love you. I'm just going to land a hard word right now because I love you. And, and I think so many of our relationships are built this way. That for us to know Jesus with unbounded love, unbounded acceptance, it's a, it blows our mind to see his face and to see him be like, Josh, hey, welcome to heaven. Love you, bro. We got some things to review now, okay? Like, again, that judgment, that evaluation will happen in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Like, that's a real thing. But the new heavens and the new earth will not be Jesus walking around saying, hey, I still got that record of offenses, He's going to look at us and he's going to say, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. You'll be like, hey, yeah, but can we talk about it? He's like, no, I don't want to hear about it. I paid for you to be here. I rose again so that you can be here. I own this place, new heaven and new earth. We're not talking about records of wrong anymore. We're only talking about my unfettered and unbounded love and acceptance of you right now as my son or my daughter. And we will have that experience for all eternity. Praise God. So as we close, the best part of heaven is that Jesus is there. It's the best part of heaven. So, the glory of the new heaven and the new earth is to be known and to be enjoyed by Christians. So, believers in Jesus, you will enjoy a capital city. Unification with God. Healing. Satisfaction. And Jesus himself. Man. The missionary to Ecuador, Jim Elliott, who was speared to death by Aka Indians in the side of a river... When he was talking about heaven, he said this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep his life to gain what he cannot lose, heaven. And if you're here as a believer, man, oh, we got so many things to enjoy this morning as we respond to God. But if you're here and you're not a Christian yet, don't dream about heaven if you're not going there. Don't dream about heaven if you're not going there. Revelation 21, 27 says it's only for those whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Some of you need to repent and get saved this morning. So we're going to respond for the next couple minutes in worship. Some of you need to be saved. Some of you need help to grow in your your walk with Christ. Some of you need to enjoy the reality of heaven and you need to talk to Jesus about that. Some of you need real change in your life, and you need to really talk to Jesus about that as well. And some of you just need, through the Holy Spirit's power, you just need to say, okay, I'm going to apply the message in this way. You know how God's speaking to you. I don't. So we're going to pray. We're going to listen to some music. And you're going to have a couple minutes just to get right with God. Whatever's going on, just get it right. Enjoy heaven, the thought of it. And if you're not saved, it's a good time to get saved. It's a good time to repent and get Get saved for the first time. So let's pray and then we'll respond to God. Father, thank you for your amazing grace and love and mercy. Thank you for your word. Your word is so good for our souls. This new heaven and new earth is beyond our comprehension. And yet, Lord, we love it. And we want to live for it. And we want to see you do great things. So, Lord, I just pray that you would... Through the power of the Holy Spirit, give us a hunger right now to respond to you and to explode in worship towards Jesus. And Lord, I pray for anybody here that's not saved, may this be the moment where they confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised Him from the dead. Lord, help us respond by your power. In Jesus' name, amen.